0: You're listening to the podcast from King's Cross Church in Charleston, South Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about us, visit kingscross.org. Thank you, Josh. Good morning, King's Cross. It's good to see you. If you don't know me, my name is Chip. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here. Um, if you're somebody who feels like, man, we were just getting going with that music, and then like now we have to sit down, and I'm really excited, and I wish, that we, I, I, I wish we could sing more. Do we have anybody like that? Um, awesome. Come on the 21st to worship night. Uh, On September 21st, this is in your bulletin at 7 o'clock, we're having our second ever worship night. If you're somebody who really loves to express uh, your love for God through singing, uh, instead of doing like four songs on those nights, it's like six or seven um, we have a little more time for that, a little brief devotional in the middle, some time for prayer. Uh, it's a completely different service than what we do on Sunday morning, and so I would encourage you uh, to come and check that out on the 21st. Um, if you're somebody who has been enjoying the series that we're in, um, this little kind of three-week series where we've talked a lot about uh, the... the uh, the information, I guess, the the words, the content, the ideas that are on this card, and you feel like, man, I, I love this. This has been super helpful for me. I love to focus on, I've got one up on my refrigerator. I took a second one home so I could put it in my office. It's just really helping me focus on what God says are the most important things in my life. But I wish there was a way I could see it bigger um, than, you know, check out the lobby this morning. If you like came in and you're completely oblivious to what's on this wall, um, or if you looked at it and you thought, that seems really familiar. Um, it's because it's this card, um, and hopefully it hammers home some of the importance that we are putting on those ideas uh, and on this series. Or if you're somebody who says, you know, this has been really good, but my the reason I'm at King's Cross, what I really love is when we just walk our way through books of the Bible. I kind of wish that we would get back to that. Next week is your Sunday. We're starting Nehemiah next week, and so we have something for everybody no matter what it is that you might be um, excited about. But we are going to wrap up this little three-week series called Big Rocks First um, this morning. It's helping us to think about the idea of prioritizing what is most important in our individual lives, but also as a faith family. And so if you haven't gotten, we didn't put these on the seat again this morning, but there's some right outside on the table. Um, If you have maybe not been here and you haven't picked one of these up yet, I would encourage you uh, to do that. Each of the last two weeks, we've been unpacking what we believe to be the most important aspects of life. Which is just the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ being relationally connected in healthy, gospel centered community and the mission of God to rescue and redeem a lost and dying world. We just believe that those are the most important things. If you were to read your Bible and you were intentionally looking for these three ideas of gospel and community and mission, you will see them everywhere. Our home base for the series um, has been Matthew 6, 31 and 33. 31 through 33. Jesus taught this there. He said, don't be anxious towards the end of a longer discourse. Don't be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? These are normal everyday concerns that everybody has, just the everyday matters of life. The Gentiles seek after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So my goal in this series has been to persuade you to believe that truth and to adjust your life to it accordingly, that you might be more in alignment with it, because I just believe that Jesus keeps his promises. And so when he says... If you'll seek these things first, I'll take care of the other things. The other things will come your way. Seek the kingdom first, seek my righteousness first, and I'll take care of these other things. And I think if you look at the whole counsel of Scripture, what you will see over and over and over again is that God calls those who would be his people, those who would follow Jesus, to grow in the gospel, to connect in community, and to live on mission. just kind of forms the spine of the way it is that God calls his people to live. So rather than me sitting around in my office trying to think up some catchy new TikTok viral BuzzFeed type list of things for you that's like, the top 10 ways to rediscover you in 2022, or five steps for you to find freedom and flourish. And like, I'm just not that creative. And so, rather than trying to do that, my thought is what if we just believed ancient truths and promises of God and we tried to apply them in our life? And what if we tried to do that more this year than we did last year? And what if we made it a goal to do it more next year than we were able to do this year? So, rather than trying to find something new and trendy, what if we just focused on something that was tried and true? And we said, This has stood the test of time. What if I just believe the promises of God and try to apply it to our life? And so, we've already talked about the first two priorities for our lives and for our church growing in the gospel and connecting in community. And this morning, We're going to talk about the third big rock that's on the postcard, now is on the wall, and is in your sermon notes if you'd like to follow along, which is to make it a priority to live on mission. To make it a priority to live on mission. In all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and in the book of Acts, which is the history of the earliest movement of the church, They all, five, give eyewitness accounts of Jesus giving what, in today's language, we might call a mission statement for his followers. The most famous of these is in Matthew 29. It's often referred to as the Great Commission, and it says this. This is Jesus speaking to his followers. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So that statement and its companion statements in Mark, Luke, John, and Acts are given to all those who would ever repent of their sin and place their faith in Christ and try their best to live their life in a way that faithfully follows him. So if you're not a Christian yet, And I know every week in the room we have people who aren't yet Christians. We're glad that you're here. We hope that you keep coming back. I'm glad that someone loved you enough to invite you or that you're open-minded enough to explore the claims of Christianity. But if I could just tell you like what we're talking about this morning, it won't apply to you yet. So if you're not yet a Christian... that's not to say that there won't be some principles that we're going to talk about that can apply to your life, because you don't have to be a Christian, for example, to serve your community. You you don't have to be a Christian to exercise good influence over the people that you're around in just kind of everyday spheres where you are and places where you live, learn, work, and play. But the type of eternally significant impact that I'm talking about this morning, it only truly opens up to you when the purpose of, and the, the fuel for these things becomes much, much bigger than just you. When, you. when you tie into something that is much bigger than just you, when you step into the type of divine, cosmic, eternally significant mission that Jesus has given his followers, then everything you do, your work, your school, your family, the relationships that you have, um, the way that you you exercise generosity, as Josh talked about a few minutes ago, the way that you serve, all of those things take on an infinitely greater importance. So for you this morning, if you're not a Christian yet, the sermon is something more like a sneak preview of, of what it is that God wants to invite you into and the type of purpose and meaning that he desires for your life to have, not just in the brief, you know, 70, 80, 100 years that you might have here, but for all of eternity. If you are already a Christian, then it's important for you to understand that God saved you for a purpose. God did not send his son to live a perfect life, to die a substitutionary death in your place for your sins. God did not raise his son from the dead on the third day so you could be a better person. That is far too small a goal for the God of the universe to sacrifice his own son is just so that you could try harder. Your life has a much grander importance than that. It has a much bigger purpose than that. He saved you, Ephesians 2.10 says, for good works that you could walk in them. Your life has purpose and meaning. And if you are a Christian, then you have been caught up in the mission of God to glorify himself through the redemption and the restoration of all things. So God saved you, but he also left you here so that you might live on mission. There's a, there's a reason that he hasn't called you home yet. There's a purpose for that. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what phase or stage of life that you're in. It doesn't matter what mess might be in your past that you think may have weighed you down or robbed you of your testimony. It, your life matters to the God of the universe. It has purpose. And his intention in saving you is so that you might live on mission. Three primary ways that we want to do that together as a faith family. First, you can live on mission through spheres of influence. Through spheres of influence. Every single person in this room has multiple spheres of influence. And you might think, well, I'm not a very influential person. Yes, you are. You don't understand how many people listen to your words, watch your actions, pay attention to your life. Most people radically underestimate the influence they have on the people around them. And a few people radically overestimate it, right? And so if you're someone who thinks that's very true, I am like, repent of your pride, slow it down a little. But, but most people radically underestimate it. So, in your workplace, you have influence with your coworkers and your customers and your vendors and your competitors. In your school, you have influence with your friends and your classmates and your teachers and the staff at the school that you attend. In your neighborhood, you have influence with your neighbors and with the people who are around you at the pool and the people that you pass when you're walking your dog and the people who serve on your HOA board and the pest control guy that comes out to your house and the HVAC repairman who stops by twice a year to do your little checkup and the friends that come over to have dinner or to watch a game. At the gym, you have influence with the person at the front desk who's always there when you come and check in, with the regulars who are always there as you're exercising, with the people around you at a spin class or whatever it may be. You have influence here at church with the people that you serve on teams with, with the people that you talk to in the lobby, with the people who are in your community group in your extended family, at your hunt club, with your hairstylist, like whatever it might be, every single person in the room, every single person who listens to this later this week has influence in multiple spheres of life. The only question is, how well do you steward that influence? That's the only question. Are you stewarding well the influence that God's given to you because you have influence and it is a stewardship issue. So you are where you are in life, doing what it is that you do in life with the skills and resources and abilities you have because in God's sovereign providence, he has allowed it to be so. Everything about your life exists because in God's sovereign providence, he has allowed it to be so. That's true of your life in general. Consider Psalm one thirty nine sixteen. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. Nothing has ever happened to you in your entire life that caught God off guard. He knows. And all the days that lie ahead of you, he's already there. He knows what's going to happen. And he is sovereignly and providentially with you in it for good or bad. You are where you are, doing what you're doing because God has allowed it to be so. It's true of the day-in, day-out details of things like where you go and what you do and how you earn a living. Consider James four thirteen to 15. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and live and trade and make a profit. You don't know what tomorrow will bring. What's your life? For you're a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills. We will live and do this or that. When you get to a place where you understand that the time, talent, and resources you have are gifts from God, if you get to a place where you believe that God loved you enough to sacrifice His own Son, that you might be forgiven and receive eternal life, it ought to give you a renewed sense of purpose Because it instills everything you do with divine meaning. Let me give you some practical examples. Teaching. Noble profession. Good profession. Helping young people learn how to function well in the world, preparing them potentially for the workforce one day, helping them to develop life skills. That is a good and honorable thing to give your life to. Yes? we can all agree, the teaching, that's a good profession. But if you are a teacher, and in addition to those things, you add to that an understanding of Romans 12, 2, which says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And that Jesus in Mark 12, 30 said the greatest of all the commandments, was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength. If you understand those biblical passages, then you begin to see that if you're a teacher, you're not just equipping kids to get into college or to find a job, though that's good. You understand that you are equipping them to know, love, and obey God because you are cultivating their minds every time they step into, their clas- into your classroom. And, and what you're doing has two different dimensions. A practical dimension in the here and the now. But also a divine purpose to help them learn how to use their mind in a way that can transform their life and their world for all of eternity. You with me? Maybe you own or work at a landscaping company. Go totally different direction. Do you understand that the first commandment God ever gave his image bearers before sin ever entered into the world was he said to them, cultivate the land. Take the raw materials that I have created and make them into something beautiful. So if you're somebody who maybe owns or works in a landscaping company, when you take the physical world that we inhabit and you make it more beautiful, you are carrying out the creation mandate of God in Genesis 2:15. You're not just beating back weeds. You're not just planting flowers. Do you see? There are two levels of things that are going on. On one level, like you're just doing your job, right? The grass gets tall. It has to be cut short. But on a grander divine scale, you're exercising dominion over the creation the way that God mandated his image bearers would. And we could do this all day. We could just go around the room. It's like One of the things that I'm passionate about is helping people see the divine purpose and what it is that you do with the majority of your time every day. Because if you are a believer, every single minute of your life is intended by God to help him pursue the mission that he is on to redeem and restore all things. And you have to be able to get to a place where you can see that your workplace, no matter what you do, has a greater redemptive purpose. And when you approach work with that in mind, you're living on mission parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles, close family friends. If you take seriously the commands about raising children in places like Deuteronomy 6 and Ephesians 6, you're living on mission. If you're someone like Joshua told you a testimony about who believes Romans 10 that the way that people come to faith is by hearing the gospel, and you get out of your comfort zone and love people enough to share the gospel with them, you're living on mission. If you live within the financial means that God has provided to you and you take seriously the commands of Scripture to be generous and to leverage your resources, your financial resources for the purpose of the kingdom, you're living on mission. If you're pursuing righteousness and fleeing from sin in your personal walk, you're living on mission. If you put your yes on the table and you live open-handed before the Lord and you say, you know what? I'll go where you tell me to go and I'll do what you tell me to do. You're living on mission. Are you tracking with me? For a long time in my life, I thought people who did what now I do, and this is not my background. My background's in accounting. I was in the marketplace for a long time. I grew up in the church. My understanding was like missionaries and people who worked at church were the people who were on mission, and everybody else's job was just to go to work so they could get money to give to the church so those people could go do God's work, the real work that really mattered. That is not biblical, right? like... Maybe the super spiritual people prayed for those people so they could go do God's work. That is not a biblical understanding of the Christian life. A biblical understanding is that when I got out of the marketplace and went to work in full time vocational ministry to church, I actually got out of the ministry. Because now my role, according to scripture, is to equip you for the work of the ministry, to equip you to live on mission. And it could be that some of you are called to do what my family's done, which is to leave behind one career and go do something completely different full-time. It could be that, but it won't, that won't be the case for most of you. For most Christians, most often what you're called to do is to simply see the world around you and your place in it with spiritual eyes. So that you're living on mission in the everyday places, doing the everyday things that you do as you go about in the different places that you live, learn, work, and play. You're just doing it with gospel intentionality. That's all it means to live on mission, is that in every place you go, you understand this is a sphere of influence that God has allowed me to be in, and I'm going to see it with spiritual eyes. Like We can unpack this in a whole sermon series. But one of the things that we want to do together is to live on mission. And that begins in the places where God has given you influence. Second, we want to live on mission through local outreach. Through local outreach. So living on mission is something that primarily you do, primarily, Local outreach is primarily something we do. So local outreach is just something that there are times when we come together and we can do more together than what we could or maybe what we would do on our own. And so it's a little more organized. So let me give you a few examples and a few ways that you can get involved in local outreach at King's Cross. Um, Fourth at Four is um, a ministry that Ron Bycroft and Art Horn head up on the 4th. Thursday of every month at 4 o'clock, 4th at 4, right? 4th Thursday at 4 o'clock. They take a team of people downtown to provide a meal at a homeless shelter. Now you say, well, that's just kind of good works. Okay, well, but there's also a commendation that Jesus gives to his followers in Matthew 25, 35. I was hungry and you gave me food. Literally on the 4th Thursday of every month at 4 o'clock, Ron and Art take a team of people to go live out that commendation that Jesus gave his followers. Super simple local outreach. You can do it with your community, with your family. Get plugged in with those guys. Um, they'd love to get you connected with that. Safe environment. No need to worry there. Fourth at four. I'll give you another one. Truth in Nature. Truth in Nature is a ministry that Matt Yawn oversees that leverages outdoor activities like I don't know, canoeing or rafting or hunting or Fishing, whatever it may be, to mentor boys in fatherless homes. Matt was up a few weeks ago. Some of you may have been here when he talked about that, but you can find more information on our website. It's mentoring boys in fatherless homes. How great an opportunity is that to live out James 1.27? Religion that is pure and undefiled before God is this, to visit orphans and widows. There's a practical way that you can step into what Jesus said was pure and undefiled religion to care for boys in fatherless homes. There are tons of opportunities to get involved right here on the Canehoy Peninsula by helping us reach students at all three Philip Simmons schools. You hear us talk about the schools all the time, but it's because everybody in the community benefits when the next generation is raised up. Yes? Like, what a better way is there to impact the culture, to change a city to chase hard after the mission of God than to reach the next generation. So every Friday during football season, we serve a pregame meal to the football team right out here in the lobby. Some of you already volunteer in that. If you're somebody who's free on Friday afternoons around 3, 4 o'clock, talk to Josh. We'd love to get you plugged into that, just letting these boys know that, hey, there are people in the community that love you. We're for you. Ever something that comes up, and we do an explicit gospel devotional before the meal. And so we're sharing Jesus with them as well. On Tuesday mornings at the middle school and the high school, we do FCA. Always need volunteers for that. It's a brief little window of time that we get with kids to be able to have fun with them, but also to share the gospel with them in a way that hopefully lets them know that there's something more going on today than just whatever it is, the good things that are happening at the school We've got an opportunity that just popped up um, this school year to tutor elementary students with their reading. Do you know that one of the most critical measures of, if you're going to look at um, success in all kinds of different categories as people, um, that people have as adults, one of the most important indicators of the likelihood of that is the ability to read on grade level by the third grade. If you can read on grade level by third grade, your chances of making it in life, much better. You look at the statistics on all kinds of things, earning potential, likelihood of winding up in jail, uh, broken homes, all, all number of indicators. Look, you go and sit down and help a child read, you are changing their life and the life of their family and of the community. We have opportunities to mentor high school students. We're working together with the high school where they've reached out and said, hey, we could use some mentors here. There are ways for you to get plugged in those are just some things that we do but you all know this there's plenty of other opportunities for you to get plugged in locally as well there are people in Kings Cross uh, people at Kings Cross who are doing really quality ministry in the community they'd love to have you volunteer you can talk to Tracy Thomas for example um, who's on staff with Young Life if you'd love to get plugged in there talk to Tracy I guarantee you she can find a place where you could love on some kids where you could help moms um, teen mothers who are struggling where you can get like active you may say well I'd love to be a part of the stuff king's cross is doing but the times don't work awesome talk to tracy she's got some opportunities as well a lot of you know jenny hartzog's um, super active in operation christmas child that's about to fire back up here in the fall a way to get the gospel to kids overseas in the form of a present that they get really excited about that it serves kind of like a parable where jesus tells everyday modern stories but really they have a gospel meaning And Operation Christmas Child kind of has a ministry that's like a physical parable that says, hey, here's a gift, but there's a greater gift. Plenty of ways to volunteer with things like that. There are tons of ways to get involved in local outreach. But here's my encouragement to you. You can't do everything. Amen? Remember two weeks ago when I started this, I said, I'm not trying to add to your to-do list. It's not what I'm doing. I'm trying to help you see an opportunity to prioritize the things that are most important. So you can't do everything, but you can do something. Like you could do something. Maybe be able to start by you go to Ron and Art and say, I can't commit to every fourth Thursday, but I could commit to one. Awesome, let's get it started. You can do something. If King's Cross is your church home, we want to continually remind you That God has placed us in this community for this community. The community that we're in is not a resource to make our church great. The church is here to be a resource to help make the community what God wants it to be. God has placed you in this city for this city. If you're some, A lot of you all have just moved here like in the last year or two. And people ask you all the time, like, why would you move here? And you're like, well, you know, we got to work remotely and we love to be close to the beach and like whatever it is. You're here because God sent you here. So look around with spiritual eyes and see how it is that you can make an impact because he has you here for here. And so you've heard me say before, like, I, we don't want you to be somebody who comes to church and just consumes without ever contributing. Don't treat the city that way either. Like, like, don't just consume your community without ever giving back to your community. That's what it means to live biblically as an exile in a world that isn't our permanent home. But God says, no, you're going to pray for this community. You're going to love on this community. You're going to serve this community because that's what my son did So it's super easy to get involved with our local outreach ministries. Go to the website under ministries at the top, local outreach. Super complicated. You'll see a list of them there. You can just click, pick one, do something. And there are thousands of ways to do it. So our goal is not, hear me clearly on this, our goal is not to get you to do our stuff. Our stuff is a way to help you do what God's calling you to do. So we just provide some on-ramps, but there's thousands of ways that you can do this in the places that you are already functioning, in the places that you already or are all through the week. You just have to look around and say, where can I make an impact? How can I help? What can I do? Where can I make a difference? So we're not trying to leverage you for our platform. Our platforms exist to help you step into what God's calling you to do when it comes to local Outreach. One more. We live on mission through planting churches. Through planting churches. So we are a church plant. We just planted in 2016. We've only been here, kind of in a permanent home since the fall of 2019. We're still in our infancy. We're we're still growing. Our Sending Church, a church at Life Park, was a church plant that was less than ten years old when they sent us out to plant out here. We're part of a church planting network called Summit Collaborative that's based out of Raleigh, but has church plants from Calif- from like uh, let's see, Los Angeles to Brooklyn to Miami, and now uh, one in continental Europe and one in continental Africa. So we're we're part of a church planting network. We financially support church plants. We have since literally our first Sunday. The entire first offering that we took up the day we launched went to support another church plant. And as we begin uh, over the next 10 or 12 months to roll out some international missions partnerships with some stuff that we're working on in the background, what you're going to see is that our strategy there is to partner with indigenous church plants and church planters on the ground so that we can support the ministry that they're doing. This is a part of our DNA. This is just who we are as a church, is we believe in church planting. And the reason for that is because we believe the local church was and is Jesus' plan to pursue His mission through His people until His return. His plan is the church. So when He says in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, which, just as uh, insight, that means that when the church charges the gates of hell. Hell can't keep the church out. The church is on the move, right? The gates aren't, the church is not in a defensive posture. The church is offensive. That means the church is growing. Ephesians 5.25, Paul writes, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Ephesians 3.10, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known. And in Ephesians 3.21, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So we believe in the local church because Jesus believes in the local church. So we just figure let's be a part of what excites Jesus. A few implications for that for us. It is our commitment as a church that part of our budget every year goes to train and support and send church planters. We do that in a couple of ways. Um, We do it by... Uh, supporting financially the church planting network we're a part of, Summit Collaborative, but also by directly supporting church plants and church planters. Some of you all were here a few weeks ago when Jonathan and April Linker were here. They're planting a church called Harbor City Church over in West Ashley. When you give to King's Cross, part of what you're doing is going to support Harbor City and going up to Raleigh to help support the current crop of guys who are getting trained to go out and plant churches this time next year. So we're just committed to that. It's our aspiration to raise up and send out as many church planners as God would allow us to do. We've already done that once. We did it for the first time in 2020 when Kelly and Carissa Graham were sent out from here to the North Bay area of San Francisco to plant a church. Some circumstances and global pandemics and things that were a little unforeseeable at the time got in the way of that and cut that short, but they believe and we believe that God will use that for his good too. It's a temporary setback in their calling to serve the kingdom, that was time and money well spent, and by God's grace, we will do it again many, many, many times throughout the history and the life of King's Cross. And it's our practice to link arms with other gospel-preaching churches. Like, we just want to do ministry and mission across the city and across the country, around the world, so we understand that we're not the last local church that Jesus will build. Right, Like, we're, we're not the end of like Jesus' whole plan for 2,000 years was if we could just get King's Cross up and going. <laughs> so that, that's not the case. We are not the only church that is preaching the gospel, faithfully doing ministry. We're not even the only church on the Canohue Peninsula doing that, much less in the city or around the country across the world. And so we understand that. So we are for the kingdom of Jesus, not the kingdom of King's Cross. But we do believe that King's Cross is a part of the kingdom. And so where the kingdom is growing and communities are growing, we believe the church should be growing as well. And so my prayer since the day we launched King's Cross is that one day some of you will be sent out to plant churches. And it might be that you'll do that as a staff member. More than likely, it will be that you'll do it as a core team member and you'll just help establish other faithful churches everywhere and anywhere God might lead. That's just our prayer like, we just want some of y'all out of here. <laughs> right? no, but so, I mean, I, genuinely, at some point down the road, like, we hope that God calls some of you to, to sell your home and, and move to another city to help plant a church. And this is just who we are, but it's also who we want to be. Let us believe that the promise Jesus has made to those who will follow him that if you will seek the kingdom first. And his righteousness, all the other parts of your life will be taken care of. So in this season where your schedules are changing to accommodate school and extracurriculars and football season has started back up, praise God, and whatever other good things that God might have, might have given you to enjoy, and they are good things. In a season where life has started to get busy again, But in every season when work and homework and grocery shopping and paying bills and family trips and exercise, just like life has to get done. When so many of us feel like there just aren't enough hours in the day to do everything that we want to do, my prayer is that you will consider thoughtfully and intentionally making it a priority in your life to grow in the gospel, to get connected in community, and to live your life on mission for King Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we, we just believe that what you've called us to is fairly simple for us to see, but really hard for us to live out. And so we need the Spirit's help. We know we need the Spirit's help for us to grow in our understanding of the gospel because spiritual things are spiritually discerned. We know that we need the Spirit's help to connect to one another relationally because that bond is created through the Spirit. We know that we need the Spirit's help to live our life on mission because He's the one that fuels us. And so we ask for your help. Because sometimes it just feels to so many of us like there's just no way that we can, we can possibly live up to the call you've placed on our life. Will you, will you help us to see opportunities? Not to have big, long to-do lists that make us feel guilty, but just to have eyes that are open so that when the opportunities come, we see them. We're willing to have conversations. We're willing to give up some of our time. We're willing to love people who might be close to us, but far from you. Would you help us to be a church that is crystal clear on what it that is you've called us to do and relentlessly pursuing that together, not for our sake, but for the sake of this community that you've placed us in and for the sake of your name, in which we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the King's Cross Church Podcast. We hope that you were encouraged by the Word of God today. Take a moment to click the subscribe button on your screen, and you won't have to come searching for us next time. Until then, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all.